Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yeah. And what made you feel compelled to compete on All Stars 4? Knowing that Mother Ru herself has already said that. I said, you know what, this is, this is a game. And I've made it this far. I'm being given the opportunity to be the first trans woman on Drag Race. I still love drag. Not as much as I do before. Uh, I guess I... I could I could afford to go, but I really couldn't because a lot of people don't know that actually the money that I had saved for my surgery was actually used to go to All Stars. Hello and welcome to this week's episode in Conversation with Lemon. On today's episode, we are joined by RuPaul's Drag Race alumni Gia Gunn. The art of drag has come a long way, and these days drag queens are amongst the most influential celebrities in the world, and Gia is one of them. She's been an outspoken voice and has been credited to help make the trans community become more visible in recent years. In our chat today, Gia talks about how the world of drag and how drag has helped her with her own discovery. She also tells us why she decided to use the money she was saving up for her surgery to return to Drag Race All-Stars. Despite having confrontations with the host's reports over comments of why transgender women aren't allowed to compete on the show. To be honest, we've learned a lot of things about the trans community and the LGBTQ community from Gia from this interview. And we hope you find this conversation endearing. Here's Gia. Hi. Hi. <laughs> um, so we asked the same question for all of our guests. So what are you watching or listening to at the moment? Oh my god, what am I watching and listening to at the moment? Um, there's so much going on in my life right now, so I'm literally listening to my own thoughts and just watching myself go crazy <laughs> every single day. But, um, well, I really enjoyed um, Pose this season, but I guess that's over with. So now I guess um, American Horror Story with my trans sister, Angelica Ross, in which nice. I'm so proud of her and just so thrilled to see so much trans talent out there visible and just um breaking through in the entertainment world um and listening to um you know just i don't know there hasn't really been any really big hitters recently so i'm actually kind of waiting for like a little ariana moment or i wish rihanna <laughs> would make a comeback i love rihanna it sounds like she's too busy with her new makeup line. She is. They, <laughs> they literally broke through with that um, Fenty Beauty uh, fashion show this year. I don't know if you guys got a chance to see it, but if oh, you haven't heard already, so much about it. Yeah, it was crazy. My girl Isis walked in it, and a lot of actually other 
um, trans and um, queer uh, icons also were mm. in the show. I think that's why it's breaking through so much. It's because Rihanna's brand, it's more than just your everyday pretty princess. Like, even for her models, you know, she gets plus-size models. Like, they're saying that Fenty's gone to overtake Victoria's Secret now. Yes, that's what I'm hearing. I mean, this is the first year that Victoria's Secret isn't going to be having their, you know, show of angels. So that's, I think, pretty fierce and a, and a pretty big, you know, thing for the fashion mm. world. Yeah, people are just people are just sick of bullshit. Like, yeah, they just want real so. stuff. Were you always engaged into this stuff when you were younger as well? Did you always grow up um, watching Victoria's Secret or always, always been into fashion and makeup when you were younger? Or To be honest, not really. My youth was mostly surrounded around... Uh, Japanese classical dance and kabuki theater. And I was very mm. into more traditional things, I guess. Like at five years old, I, you know, I, I guess I had expressed to my mother that I wanted to be on stage, you know, like auntie and grandma. And um, <laughs> she signed me up. And then there I was, you know, five years old dancing with, you know, at the time, you know, my gra- my grandmother was, you know, I don't know, 60s, you know, so they were, you know, much older, if not already, you know, senior citizens. Um, and, and I was just there with them and spent a lot of time with all these really lovely old ladies and, um, you know, my grandmother and my aunt. So that's how I think I got into it and just really being drawn to the uh, artistic side of it all, you know, the elaborate costumes and the hairdos and the makeup and all that. So those are my early memories of hair and makeup and beauty uh, far before drag and all that stuff. Mm, you can see that influence onto your drag now. Like, mm. like it's so prevalent. It yeah. is. And before you entered a lot of these drag competitions or including group horse, what were you doing full time? I was, um, well, <laughs> I was a couple of things. I think um, <laughs> I was definitely like a cross dresser at one point and just feeling myself and feeling feminine. <laughs> Don't know if that's really a job, but yes. Uh, were you doing drag shows before? I drag was, race? yes, while cross dressing at night. I guess it's kind of the same thing. Um, But yes, I was doing drag at night and then I was doing hair actually during the day. And that's kind of where I saw my life going, I guess, you know, was going to kind of be like the successful hairstylist who, you know, was just fabulous and, you know, doing shows at nighttime. But it wasn't until I guess I I discovered I was too fabulous to be behind the chair. (laughs) You know, those bobs and highlights and foils were just not enough for the queen. So that's, I guess, where I really flourished more in the drag and where I really, you know, was kind of able to come out of my shell and, and really get creative. And when my parents divorced and our family went through a big separation and I kind of went through on this journey of, you know, finding myself and it was nice to be able to kind of have that come back into my life. You know, once I started doing drag and seeing how, well, I didn't have to forget about, you know, the Japanese classical dance, but better yet, I can kind of mesh together and now make it my own. Um, as it is a dying art, so it is hard for your average audience to understand 
in its purest form. Mm. Mm. Absolutely. And were your parents supportive of the idea of you auditioning for RuPaul's, or did they not know about it until it aired? Or um, at the time, they didn't really know. I don't think, um, as I mentioned, we had just gone through, you know, a separation mm. of family, so everybody was just kind of trying to find their way and. You know, my parents had, you know, gotten involved with their new partners and, you know, my sister moved out here to L.A. So I was just there in Chicago working and doing drag and um, being supported by, you know, my photographer at the time and my friends who really forced me to try out for RuPaul because, quite frankly, I really didn't know anything really about it or I guess really want to. Um, Mm. But my parents were definitely very supportive Um, once I made it on and, you know, all the outcomings afterwards. Yeah, I kind of wish maybe, you know, I did involve them a little bit more in that time. Was it more so that you were a bit afraid to let them know or? No, I just was disconnected and I was just doing my own thing. And I think, you know, after, you know, your parents divorce, it's kind of like, oh, forget family. You know, it's like, my friends are my family now, you know, and especially after being on a thing like RuPaul and meeting so many people and she teaches us to create our own families and stuff like that. You know, I just kind of, you know. Like so many people, we all look up to RuPaul. So what was it like meeting, I guess, like someone you've always looked up to? So to be honest, I never looked up to RuPaul, as shady as that sounds. (laughs) I never looked up to her um, because I... Um, I grew up in the suburbs, so I didn't really know anything about gay culture. And the first time that I actually heard about RuPaul was RuPaul's Drag Race, uh, season one, which actually Jade Sotomayor from Chicago was my very first like drag queen friend or RuPaul's Drag Race, you know, um, connection. And I mean, I lived for RuPaul. I just I guess I didn't know, you know, um, all the trailblazing she had done and what a big movement she was doing. So I didn't grow up praising her or really knowing to praise her, but knowing that this was her show and, you know, then six seasons later, seeing what a big thing it was doing, you know, for the world and then learning what a big difference the show was making and how important she was in this change. Obviously, the first time meeting her um, on season six was, you know, just it was definitely unforgettable. At that time, you know, I yes, I did look at her like she was God and I did look at her like, oh, my God, you know, I'm so just blessed to be in front of this person's presence. But that was then. (laughs) (laughs) When you auditioned for season six Drag Race, were you already transitioning or was that kind of later down the track? Um, I think I was in early thoughts. Um, I definitely know that I identified as androgynous at the time and I definitely felt girly, um, but I just wasn't ready to commit. Um, and I think I was scared. Matter of fact, I know I was scared and I just wasn't ready and I didn't really understand what being transgender meant. So drag was easier for me to process, you know, because I think once we start talking about modifying our bodies and changing our chemical makeup, it's it's much more intense than doing drag. 
And so that's why I think for a lot of people, you know, when they are confused about their gender or contemplating a transition, I I always recommend drag because I don't know, it's kind of a very broad thing now. Um, And I guess for you, it was an art form that evolved and then you also evolved with that art form as well. Is that correct? Well, yes. I always like to say that I am the woman that I am today because of drag. And, and that is probably the, the most truest statement, you know, anyone could ever hear me say. That's why I will forever hold drag and drag race so sacred to my heart and will always support queens and young queer talent And, you know, now do my best to, I guess, do the best show that I can whenever I do step out on stage. And so I I take every day, you know, as a blessing and every show as a blessing, but also um, as motivation to um, strive to do more. Mm, Absolutely. And viewers of RuPaul's, even a lot of members within the LGBT Q plus community, there is a definite differentiation, I guess, between being drag and being transgender. For those who are listening, could you explain the difference for them? I or? feel like a lot of people like, yeah. like don't know. Like, obviously, we know what it is, yes. the difference is, but I guess it's a common confusion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, honestly, Monica Beverly Hills on season five said it the best. Mm. Um, drag is what I do. And trans is who I am. So with that being said, drag is an art form and is open to men, women, gay men, straight men, straight women. I mean, cis men, cis women. I mean, it's when we start throwing those words in there that I think people get really confused, though. So again, it's very simple. Um, You know, drag is an art form and it's open to everybody. Being trans is feeling of the opposite gender and then exploring what that means to you. And so, to be honest, I think it is really confusing. And I think a lot of people have made it a tad bit more confusing than it needs to be for the average person. Again, for those that are listening to this, may or may, you know, may have never come encounter with a drag queen before. And may have never even come in contact with a trans person before. Like, I just met this woman in the parking garage of my old building. And I thought that I was using language with her in which she would really understand. um, Because, you know, cis is kind of like a new thing. So when you talk, you know, when you talk to cis people, they're like, what's cis? And, you know, (laughs) and so I used the word biological because she was like, wait, so let me understand, like, if you're a woman, if you're a trans woman and I'm a biological woman, like she didn't even understand what biological meant. She's like, is that what I am? I'm like, yes, you're a biological woman. I'm a trans woman. (laughs) And these are my gay friends because I was with my two gay guy friends. And she's like, okay. But like, so they could dress up in drag and you can dress up in drag and I can dress up in drag and we would be, what would I be? A drag king? Like people get so, because it is confusing. Like within the community, there's so many different terms and there's so many different ways of expressing Mm -hmm. it. And now people are getting offended if you aren't as sensitive as you should be. And now there's, 
you know, all these different terms. And bitch, I'm like, honey, it's drag. We just a bunch of queens. If you got a lot of makeup on <laughs> and you're feeling your fantasy and you look like something other than, you know, an H&M ad, you're in drag. <laughs> so that to me is what drag is. Yeah, and I think even till until a couple of days ago, researching before our interview, there were so many terminologies that I wanted to get down packed before, you know, because I didn't want to be caught out for it because I know that you have, you're the queen of catchphrases, so I didn't want to be, you know, <laughs> shaded by it. So I had to make sure I knew what cisgendered was, what bi queen was, what drag king was. Honey, and I'm even, still learning. <laughs> <laughs> and even someone within the LGBTQ plus community, we can kind of expect how more confusing it can be for the average person as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. And I always try to approach every situation, you know, like you always have to assume, you know, people know the least. You can't always assume people know the, the are the most educated, especially on stuff like this. And so I think if we go into situations as, you know, educators and as people from the community that want to enlighten other people rather than shut them down or, or make them feel bad for not knowing the right terminology. You know, I think it's our job to kind of, yes, sometimes dumb ourselves down and break it down for people in a way in which they can understand rather than just clapping our hands and saying, Oh girl, you know, you're just, you know, homophobic or transphobic and then walking away. (laughs) It's like, those people, you know, will always just be judged and just kind of put into this bubble. Like, oh, those gay people, you know, oh, those trans people, they don't ever have enough time to like explain. They always get so, you know, attitude And so it's like, mm. if you just take a breath and just kind of explain things to people, you know, this is the activist side of me, though. Not everybody has a breath, <laughs> you know, yeah. not everybody's got a breath, but I feel like you know, when you're at that Starbucks and you do get misgendered or, you know, you are out at a drag show and someone says, I don't know, the wrong thing, like give it up for all these men. You know, it's like you have to stand up for yourself. And as a trans person Mm -hmm. within the gay community and even the drag world, I have to stand up for myself even more because of just the misogyny that's out there. Um, and it's just, you know, it's, it's hard for women to exist in that, in, in some of those spaces. Mm, And you have Queens like yourself, um, Monica, you have Peppermint, um, Kylie from season two, you guys are leading this movement, leading this, I guess, not new, but opening up a discussion, I guess, for people to understand more. Yeah. I mean, I feel like being the first openly trans woman on Drag Race, I hold a big, you know, um, responsibility and, and kind of, you know, this, yes, to be this trailblazer, to start these conversations and kind of not let people get away with maybe the same language that has, you know, gone on for, for years that is, dangerous and abusive and offensive, um, especially when talking to gender nonconforming or trans people. Um, so I, I definitely try to educate people on just simple things uh, whenever I can and also be respectful of our own community and our own supporters, you know, because I can't tell you enough how there is still so much you know, education that needs to be put out there, just even within the own community. 
it's just like the gay community. Like it's taking us decades to explain to people that and show people that we're just normal. And and I think it's the same thing with you know the trans community. It's more about being more out, more aware, like so that we can educate people in the community about you know what's what it's like to be a trans person. Mm, just needs more outreach. A lot more people to be more aware. I guess a lot more education. You know. Even people who are educated, or we think are educated. So, like, moving forward to, you know, last year, March, I believe RuPaul, even a trailblazer, a queen like herself, she released a statement t- saying, um, you can take performing enhancing drugs and still be an athlete, just not com- compete in the Olympics. How did that affect you and how did that affect the trans community? Well, I think it was very clear what she was saying. And I think... Um, many people were hurt and I think the show actually lost a lot of love and respect from a lot of people that support the show. I mean, I would love for, you know, a test to be done, but I can guarantee you that the percentage that supports and follows drag race, um, you know, that is trans or non-binary or gender non-conforming, you know, versus just gay men is, I think definitely much more you know higher now it's like we're not just serving the gay community now now we're serving you know even the straight community and and you know cis men and women and heterosexual couples that are watching this now you know for entertainment purposes and just to hopefully enlighten themselves and then for her to come out and say something like that I think really just stuck it where it really hurts for a lot of people. Um, it was very unfortunate, but for me also, I guess, I don't know. It was courageous. You know, she was letting us know how she feels and you can't really beat someone up for them being honest, I guess, even though if it's kind of messed up what they're saying, it's kind of like, okay, this is how you feel. So thanks for letting us know. You know, because now it's not this big myth. Now it's actually being said, not by someone else, but from mother herself and in her own words. So it was, I think, a hard um, pill to swallow for me, especially being trans now, um, you know, having had transitioned after the show. But, you know, because when that article came out, I wasn't on All Stars yet. So, you know, I was just, you know, um, I don't even think I had gotten the call or anything. Um, It wasn't Mm. until after that, that people Mm. had decided, okay, we better support trans because what mother said is not really working out for us. And even the apology, I don't think really did too much either because people saw right through that. Mm. Yeah. And what made you feel compelled to compete on All Stars 4? knowing that Mother Rue herself has already said that. I said, you know what, this is this is a game. And I've made it this far. I'm being given the opportunity to be the first trans woman on Drag Race. I still love drag. Not as much as I do before. Uh, I guess I... I could I could afford to go, but I really couldn't because a lot of people don't know that actually the money that I had saved for my surgery was actually used to go to All Stars. So actually my oh, surgery wow. was postponed 
because I also knew that had I gotten surgery, I probably wouldn't have been able to go on the show. I see. So that's, yes, that's why you had um, the The GoFundMe. Yes. And so actually, you know, the money that was funded um, at that time, you know, that I had saved, I actually had to spend some of that on drag and then save up again after All Stars and then get my surgery just you know, last December. When, I see. When you say when you say you have to spend money on drag, does it mean you have to spend money on like costumes and outfits? Yeah, and, thousands, thousands of dollars. Yeah, anywhere from you know a good package, you know, to go with good clothes, you know, is anywhere from fifteen grand, thirty grand, forty grand. I mean, girls like Trinity wow. and you know, Farah and Naomi Smalls, like girls like that, I'm sure they spent well over, I don't know, 40 grand easily in drag. That's, that's insane. I thought, wow. I thought designers would give you guys a dress. Um, or at least sponsor. Oh, was that only for like, for the fun? We live in a time now where doing things for shout outs and posts and exposure is not really is not really going over well anymore in the industry because people are like, <laughs> yeah. okay, everybody's famous now. Everyone's got a project, you know, where's our money? Like, and we as Queens also want to support, you know, these local designers, which are usually our friends or struggling artists that are just, you know, making fabulous things, but not really costing that much. And just, you know, drag is expensive. Good drag is expensive. and Anything that you're going to show on television, you know, on HGTV, it's like, you just have to have, you know, you got to pay for it. Um, I didn't realize it was that expensive, you know, to, I guess, the had to have expenses to be, yes. yeah. It is very expensive to be sickening. <laughs> it really is. I mean, people don't realize just, you know, the materials alone, like for rhinestones and fringe and feathers you know is so expensive and then you got to pay someone to put it together you know Mm. and all that costs money and then you know girls get things hand painted and custom you know this and that so it really does add up I mean a stunning outfit will run you you know up to you know three thousand dollars I mean just to look good you know or what we consider good nowadays because the bar is set very high yes but yeah every season gets bigger and bigger bigger and and bigger yeah there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care plush care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe fda approved weight loss medications like wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. And but going back to All Stars, 
I, I understand that you had the vision and the compassion to go on All Stars because I guess you wanted to share your trans story. You know, you want to share um, more of yourself, be more, a lot more vulnerable. And I guess to me, in my own opinion, it seems across that, you know, they kind of picked you, hired you to be on All Stars for kind of like a diversity hire, but more like damage control, if that makes any sense. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um And I don't know, I I feel like uh, as a show that would want to show that they're supportive of this lifestyle and kind of show the difference between being trans and drag, I I feel like, you know, the show has so much influence and and so much knowledge is spread from the show. It's like, I wish they would have took in my storyline and educated people a little bit more other than just kind of create me to be like the Gia Gun character that people had already seen and yes liked but i don't know that that was completely obviously in their control because me there i think i showed all different sides you know i i definitely was shady and catty you know to the queen just because it's tv and it's drag race and i was trying to maintain gia gun factor but at the same time there was so many good moments that i shared about my life and so much had changed for me since season six and Yeah, I guess people just didn't really get to see that much, which was unfortunate. But I do feel like I'm just getting started. Um, Right. And it's like you kind of got painted as the villain, the bitchiness, you know, that's... I did. I did. And you know what? It was entertaining. Yes. Yes. You know, people can say whatever they want and get their panties in a bunch about, you know, being mean and, you know, being you know, sabotaging Sarah and (laughs) all this and that. But at the end of the day, you cannot tell me that you did not enjoy it and that you didn't get a good laugh or a good cry or a good hoot or holler or Mm -hmm. whatever. And, you know, (laughs) you know, that's what a show drag race is for. And so I guess a lot of people forget it's reality TV. It's they want to show the funniest moments, the moments that's going to get the best ratings. It's going to get them Emmys. And I guess as well on the show, I I read somewhere that you did have a bit of altercation with RuPaul as well, just before Snatch Game. Mm-hmm. Are you able to go into that just a little bit at all? Or um, I just was not having the best day that day, and. I was kind of looking for her to be, I guess, more supportive in the moment. And I just didn't feel that from her. I felt a very cold sense of being shut down and not really any compassion. And that made me feel sad and unheard and also unseen um, because much of which I was, you know, brought on, I thought was for my visibility. I guess to not be acknowledged for simply being trans or being, you know, now a a beautiful woman, I think was, was hurtful, but yet you can, you know, comment on, you know, Oh, Valentina's pants and, you know, how far Trinity's come with her acting and, you know, all those things, which I think is nice, but Mm. it was like, well, what about me, mother? Like I've done so much self-discovering and, mm. you know, I'm a brand new person. Like, bitch, what? Like, <laughs> and <laughs> Did you nothing. feel like a neglected child? Is that what you felt like? I, I guess um, now looking back, I guess I did. You know, it was that feeling like, my God, I just spent all this money to come on your show and 
you can't even look me in the eyes and say something genuine. That's that sucks, you know, and, and so that instantly made me feel like, well, get me off of this show. I want nothing to do with this show because you guys don't, you know, not you guys, because I will like to make it clear. I, I do think that World of Wonder supports trans. I, I know that there are members on the team that are actually very pro-trans. I guess I just don't know that she is. And for me at the time, that was the most important. Not, I guess, seeing the bigger picture and maybe I was in too much of my feelings or whatever, because at the end of the day, you know, the show isn't for RuPaul anymore. It's for those that are out there looking for guidance and looking to be entertained and inspired. And, and that's what the show is for. But because we are in Hollywood and everybody is out here trying to make a brand and a name for themselves and, you know, to become their own empire or whatever, um, you know, sometimes we just feel so forced to do things on our own. If, if RuPaul asked you to come back for another All Stars, would you do it? I would not. I would not. Um, What's your relationship with RuPaul now? I don't have one, to be completely honest. Um, yeah, it's weird. I, I guess I, I never really felt like we ever really did have one. And I'm not really sure there is one queen that could honestly say that, oh, yeah, like we have a relationship. I mean, to be completely honest, by now, I think it, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to, you know, say that, you know, she is sold out. You know, she <laughs> really doesn't. She doesn't really care too much anymore, I think, other than about, you know, her paycheck and where she's got to stand and what she's got to say. And and I think that's also why the show has lost so much creativity and abundance and all these things that it lacks that people once saw, you know, I think up until season six or seven. And then things just kind of, you know, became mainstream and became what they are. And I think that's fabulous and it's amazing. But what stories are we telling? What are the core roots here of, you know, where does all this come from? And I think that's where shows like Pose are telling those stories. And I do think that Pose is a better show than Drag Race. And I do Mm. think that it's, you know, it's far more authentic. And I think people are seeing that. For people who don't know what don't know what the show's about, can you tell us? Well, Pose is basically telling the stories that RuPaul's Drag Race should have been telling, you know, and and telling the stories, uh, you know, before drag even. You know, let's take it back even before drag. There were trans women that were voguing and creating, you know, these gay houses and giving these gay children homes and families and support and a sense of belonging, you know, uh, trans women, you know, were joining forces with other gay men and, you know, being the mothers of these houses. And and then there were the fathers and then the children. And, you know, so Pose is a show that is also directed by, you know, trans people, you know, like Janet Mock and um, Our Lady J. And, you know, that's fabulous. I mean, there was actually just an interview that they had on the Emmys where somebody from BET, you know, asked about the diversity within her team. Mm-hmm. And the response she gave yes, was yes. absolutely just crazy to yep, me. Yep. Um, so anyway, I mean, there's just 
you know, there's so many things wrong, not just in that arena, but there's so many things wrong in the world in general. So I try to focus on, you know, what I can do to make things right. Like sometimes I feel like I have to bite the bullet, but I'm slowly coming into my own and slowly I know that I will truly know what's right for me and truly know where I stand. And, you know, hopefully we'll be able to fully write and produce my book um, and truly get my full story out there as it is a very authentic and original one. You know, I, I... I do believe that there is no other story like mine. We're going to touch on your book in a bit, but I want to ask you, do you find it overwhelming being the poster child for the trans community? I do. I mean, it's kind of like, where do I start? You know, and then there's so many other people I feel ahead of me, like the girls in Pose and all these women that just seem so much higher than me, you know, and, and serve as a, inspiration for me to somehow you know be like them one day but something that I just have to you know wake up and be so grateful for is that like you know we have trans people like on tv and being given awards and emmys and yes we do also have those that are being killed and having their lives taken away just simply because they are trans and they will never make it to a red carpet or to maybe success that it looks like for for me and some of my other brothers and sisters. However, I have to be happy for us um, because there's a definite movement going on here and there's a definite sense of, you know, it's a slow one and sometimes, you know, it definitely seems like we're not being heard, but I, th- I I definitely think we are. And yes, I feel overwhelmed. And yes, sometimes I feel like I missed the mark. And sometimes I feel like I let my community down by being a shady drag queen on TV. But, you know, I can't beat myself up for me being me. And I guess being the first one to kind of step foot into that space as a woman, um, as I think, Mm. you know, any of my sisters, you know, including Carmen and Kylie and Jiggly and, um, you know, even Kenya and yeah, can all agree that, you know, stepping into that, stepping into, to drag spaces as a trans woman, you just got to kind of take a deep breath and just know who you are because it's so easy for people to tell you who you are. Yep. Things like drag um, just create so much for people and bring so many answers. And I feel like it's a safe playground for people to kind of experiment yep. with sexuality, with gender, yep. with their body image, with, mm. you know, hair color and skin tones and, just everything. So mm. We can see that you're getting quite emotional about this topic, but sometimes I think because you're Giagan, you can't, because you put yourself on a platform, but you obviously see like um, Laverne Cox, like you put her up there. But for us to view you, someone who's on the outside perspective, I think sometimes you might forget the work that you've done. You know? And be Giagan, you've led such an incredible movement, like you said, being the first open transgender woman on 
an, you know, an Emmy winning show. You've done so much for the community and we just want to thank you on behalf of oh. everyone who is listening and you've honestly have poured your heart. We can see your passion, even on your um, YouTube web series, you know, you're using your social platforms to create awareness. Even when you're speaking with Laganja, you open up about taking, you know, your hormone replacement therapy and it's, it softened you, it changed you. And I had no idea what was like being a transgender person until I watched your videos, until I did my research mm. and seeing, you know, your compassion for the community. It just really brings something so different, but something so authentic and so special to the table, I reckon. Mm. And that's why I think, you know, in a way I feel like I got used by the show and I feel mm. like Drag Race maybe kind of, yeah, like used me, you know? But I guess at the end of the day, it's like I, I, I can still go to sleep knowing that I, that I was this and that I did do this for, for people out there. And, you know, it would just, you would just think that it would be nice, you know, to hear those kinds of words from people that I don't know, are, are just of authority or, or should right. be thankful but I guess the lesson there is to never do things expecting anything in return. Um, yeah. Not even a thank you, not even a pat on the back and not even a hundred thousand dollars or not even a nice, you look good girl, <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. Because that's like kind of all I wanted from her was like, can she at least like tell me I look fishy or like something, you know? <laughs> and it was like nothing. So, yep. and I love to be glamorous, but I also like to get to the point mm -hmm. <laughs> as I think most people um, know about me. It's like, I like the frills in life, but I'm also very like, let's get to the point. I guess you wouldn't know that because I do talk a lot. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm also working on that as well. <laughs> Even seeing you transitioned the person who you were back on season six and who you are now, it's so different. Like even watching you on Mona Exchange show, you oh know, my you, gosh, you, yes. <laughs> it's like you've come from a space where you can throw the bitchiest, shadiest comments towards somebody, but now it's, you hold yourself with so much grace. Yeah. Would you say you're more mature or is it mostly because of um, the transitioning, which has kind of helped you into this new womanhood that you are today? I just think I'm, I'm so much more whole with myself now that, you know, a lot of my demons and negativity before, like from season six and forward, really, I think, trace back to my own insecurities, you know, and when you're insecure about yourself or about certain things, you know, you kind of react, you bite back and you just, you fight back with negativity, with fear and with anger I guess I'm no longer scared I am no longer scared of what people have to say what people's ideas or expectations are of me I'm not scared of people rejecting me I'm not scared of people telling me no and that's very powerful you know that allows you to kind of walk into any conversation or to any situation and either be complimented, insulted, or shoved or pushed. And you just simply, you know, be able to react 
in the slightest way possible because you're whole inside. And, um, you know, this is also something that Alaska taught me while on tour too, because I do get quite worked up. Like when we're on tours and stuff like that or shows or people aren't moving as quite as swiftly and properly and just quickly as they should, you know, (laughs) I, I'm that queen that kind of gets bent out of shape and will kind of lose her shit quickly. And, um, that's me in the morning when I don't eat. (laughs) I mean, anybody, right. And Queens like Alaska, Laganja, and they're just so like calm and patient. And so, you know, like Alaska told me, she's like, why am I going to get myself worked up over somebody else, either not doing a good job or being late or not doing something good enough? You know, all I can do is do my best of job and be prepared and be on time and be me. And I just try to, you know, let things literally like roll off my back. What is that saying? Duck water off a duck's back, girl. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't heard of that one before. That's from uh, Ms. Jinx. Jinx. Water (laughs) off a duck's back. Oh yeah, God bless Jinx. (laughs) Before we head off, we just have some quick wrap-up questions that we ask every guest. With our first question, um, what is one thing that you have to do every day no matter how busy you are? Oh, I have to wash my face (laughs) and and put moisturizer on. Yes. No matter how busy I am, I have to wash my face because, I don't know, I just... I'm obsessed with skincare and I think it takes two seconds and it literally makes you feel so much better. So oh, thank God you don't do like the nine step or 10 step cream beauty skin or I mean, when I can, yes, <laughs> but in a rush and a hurry, at least cleanse your face and moisturize. Agree. All right. The second question is what's a guilty pleasure that most people don't know about? A guilty pleasure that most people don't know about. Um, when I'm single, I like to go on Grinder. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I think that's definitely a guilty pleasure. I think a lot of people have that guilty pleasure, even I if they're not so. single. <laughs> no, I think you're right. Only when she's single, though. <laughs> Only when she's single. <laughs> she's she's committed. <laughs> yes. All right. The last question we have is: Is there a person who is no longer with us today that you wish you could follow on social media? Ooh. Uh, Dead or alive, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Who doesn't have social media that you wish you could follow? Um, That doesn't have social media that wish I could follow. Um, Selena. Oh, yeah, Selena. I love Selena. I feel like her life would have just been so cute and just so, I don't know, Latina. And she would be bringing so much, I don't know, culture and and what she's, you know, she's the legend. Mm. Quick question. What are your thoughts on J-Lo? <laughs> <laughs> uh, why? Um, because, you why know, you're, you're, you know your, queen, your queen is Selena. So just, just wanted oh, to know. <laughs> okay. I, just, I thought maybe you might have seen the video of when I met J-Lo and how she looked at me. <laughs> oh, no, um, I didn't. What happened then? But do go on. Well, well, I love J-Lo. Um, and to be quite honest, she's like one of my top five divas. Um, but I actually met her here in LA for the premiere of Hustlers. Oh, yes, um, that's coming yes, out in like three, four days. That she's in with Cardi. And 
I just have to be honest. She just was not the nicest person. I mean, (laughs) yeah, I don't know if maybe I like was giving too much and like feeling my oats up on the stripper pole. And she was like, who is this bitch? Outshine me in her pleaser heels. Yeah. Like there's literally a video. I don't know that I posted it. Maybe I'll do a blog. Should I do a blog about it? You should. should. (laughs) No, because for me, right, the reason, because since you mentioned Selena, you know, she is a queen, but it's so sad that she passed so young. And then suddenly J-Lo kind of came out of nowhere and kind of took that crown, you know what I mean? And she's back in her early 2000s, she's releasing songs and the voice isn't even hers and it just, that bothers me as a songwriter. Oh my God, you you're so I mean? shady, Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, no, she's a I, great dancer. No, I understand. <laughs> so you feel like she took Selena's storyline and ran with it. I do, but I think it was more, oh, I can't even say that. I think it was maybe her management who kind of sure. pushed it. Yeah, I do as too. A- but my question always is like, where is, like, Selena's making money. So like, where's that money going? You know, like, there's a they got Selena merch. They got Selena museums. Like, yes. hopefully, it's all going to her family. I don't know, but you know, at the end of the day, it's like, who else would have played this role? Like, think about how many people know about Selena because of J Lo in the movie, and not even that because of Selena herself. Yep. Mm. Like most people, like girl up in the club and like all these like you know non-latino people they they're like oh j-lo selena you're like no selena was a real person (laughs) you know but they just know like beady beady bum bum and stuff like that (laughs) but last question most important of all how can people follow you people can follow me of course on instagram at gia underscore gun on twitter if you like fun little quick catchphrases <laughs> um, at Gia Gun. Do you still have your shady side still or has it kind of softened I do. a little bit? I'm, you know, I'm trying to bring it back. Um, <laughs> so I'm trying to kind of now turn that shade towards like product reviews and <laughs> things like that. You just milk it, yeah. Yeah, because I think, you know, it's, yeah it's time for me to start being still honest and shady about things that need to be honest and shadily told about, (laughs) but it is definitely time for me to give people the benefit of the doubt and, you know, just kind of be nicer to people, hear people out and just finally be more understood and, and truly let my true colors um, shine through. And that's all going to come out in a book. So when is, what's the plan of the book? How, when is it coming out? So to be honest, um, I'm not exactly sure because I originally wanted the book to um, be um, me and my mother's story together. I was uh, kind of going to simulate um our lives as women, me being trans and her being biological woman, but her being a mom and me being the daughter and kind of like the parallels in our lives and, you know, how we've both experienced so much change, but how it's so different um, and so similar. Um, But as of right now, my mother is unfortunately not doing the very best. So I'm not Mm. exactly sure when we will be able to write this book. So I might have to come out with my own book first 
But I definitely would like to aim for next year. I'm going to um, be putting together a one-woman show first that I should be uh, launching actually in Mexico um, in February. Um, I'm going to start there because that is where I have my largest fan base and kind of just tell my story. Um, It'll be most likely in Spanish or Spanglish. Um, But if that does well, I definitely anticipate on doing an English version and hopefully being able to tour and making it over there down under and in the UK and everywhere else. I mean, I don't know if you guys actually know that because you guys are in Australia, right? We are. Yes. I don't know if you guys know this, but low key Australia is like one of my most favorite countries to visit. Really? Yeah, what do you like, like about Australia? Um, I mean, I can't even lie. I love the men. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just love like gorgeous, tan, tattooed surfer body. Um, so I love that. And I just love the atmosphere. It feels so clean and just so positive. And the restaurants are so cunty. Or <laughs> just so, they're so hot. And there's not that, and it's not that many people there. I feel like it's not that overcrowded, so I like that also. Mm, and the drag community here is massive, is, as in, it's oh my so gosh. big, so big, <laughs> and yeah. So, if there's any drag promoters listening to this, literally, please bring me down. Let me do my one woman show. I love Australia. You should definitely do. Um... A one-woman show down but here. I'll, honestly, I'll be right you would there. have a lot of people coming to your show, trust me. Oh my god, I would love yeah. to. We're definitely going to be messaging some tour promoters off right after this. <laughs> yes, we want you down so bad. Or sugar daddies, or just, <laughs> you know, friends with benefits. Whatever, <laughs> like, I'm totally open for anything Aussie and down under. <laughs> well, it was lovely chatting to you, and we, yeah, we can't Thank wait to see you so much, can't wait to see anything. Thank, Thank you. you so much. You're welcome. I hope you guys found this to be entertaining and just overall absolutely sickening. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Welcome to ACAST Recommends. Every week, we pick some of our favourite shows and this is one we think you're going to love. There are stories you hear in life that stay with you forever. Crimes you hear on the news that you just can't get out of your head. Things you read about that simply can't be explained. Funny enough, for every reporting that we have of spirit being seen on the property, it's clear as you and I are looking at each other. If you find yourself Googling unsolved crimes or endlessly thinking about incredible stories, then you need to listen to Investigates, the podcast that lifts the veil on some of Australia's biggest crimes and mysteries. Investigates. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. ACAST is home to the biggest podcasts from Australia and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via ACAST or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.